I love Mother's Day. I wish my mom was still alive. If your mom is, please show her some special attention today. I mean, some of y'all need to go to her house with a bottle of lotion. Just rub her feet down. Seriously, if I could rub my mama's feet today, I would fly to Baton Rouge to rub her feet. She's just the best mom ever. So to all you mothers, we wish you happy Mother's Day. Countless times each day, a mother does what no one else can do quite as well. A mother wipes away a tear. She whispers a word of hope and eases her children's fear. She teaches, she ministers, she loves, she nurtures the next generation of citizens to become correct. And she challenges and cajoles her kids to do their best and to be their best. But no editorials praise these accomplishments. You will not see them listed on social media. The question is, where is the coverage that real mothers rightfully deserve. Where's the coverage that real mothers rightly deserve? James Dobson said those words. No gift to your mother can ever equal her gift to you. I'll say it again. No gift to your mother could ever equal her gift to you. Your mother walked through the valley of the shadow of death so that you can live. Hello, River. Someone said that the commonest fallacy among women is that simply having children makes one a mother, which is as absurd as believing that having a piano makes one a musician. Isn't that true? I love these quotes. Here's another one. The most important occupation on earth for a woman is to be a real mother to her children. It doesn't have much glory to it. There's a lot of grit and grime, but there's no greater place of ministry, position, or power than that of a mother. A mother understands what a child does not say. Billy Graham said these words to all the mothers, let your home be your parish your little brood, your congregation, your living room, your sanctuary, and let your knee be the sacred altar of your children. Isn't that beautiful? And one more quote. Abraham Lincoln said, no one is poor who has a godly mother. No one is poor who has a godly mother. I'm going to read a few verses of scripture here and I'm going to preach and let you get home quick to take care of your mom or take your wife and your children out to eat. But it should be a family day today, and I pray you all enjoy your time together as a family honoring your mom. First Samuel <coughs> chapter 1, verse 12. And she kept on praying. And she kept on praying. And Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart. And her lips were moving. But her voice was not heard. I'm going to preach a message this morning really quick. 
entitled, Hannah is in the house. I need you to look at three people around you and say those words, Hannah is in the house. There's something very powerful about the role of a mother in a generation and society, in this generation and society, that is irreplaceable. The position of a mother is irreplaceable. I had intended on reading the whole chapter, first chapter of 1 Samuel, but for the sake of time and trying to be uh, conscientious of your time, I just want to take a few moments to rehearse some things concerning 1 Samuel chapter 1, and I pray that the Lord will touch you real good today, and especially the ladies in this house, that you will leave today with confidence that God has everything under control. I need all the ladies to shout praise the Lord right now. So 1 Samuel chapter 1 is really about a lady named Hannah who had a pattern of visiting the house of God with her husband Elkanah once a year, year by year. And the Bible says this man had two wives the name of his other wife was Penina. And the Bible says that she would provoke Hannah, especially when they would go to the house of God. And the Bible says that over a period of time, Hannah began to pray that the Lord would give her a child. You all know this story, right? Sure you do. And as she prayed, year after year and time after time, that Eli the priest finally recognized that she was after something. Hmm. And the Bible says she prayed till she wept bitterly. And verse 12 in our text says she kept on praying. And as I was preparing this just a little bit yesterday and a whole lot this morning, those words just kept jumping off the page to me. She kept on praying. And it was almost like I could hear the Holy Spirit telling me to tell the ladies in this church three words. Keep, come on, say it with me. Keep on praying. Let's say it again. Come on. Keep on praying. Mama, please keep on praying. Women of God, please keep on praying. Let's take it and just dissect a few things very quickly. The Bible says that Hannah was provoked to pray like she prayed. My question to you today, women of God, is what is provoking you? And I pray that something is. And you would say, wait a minute, Pastor Rick, why would you pray that something would provoke us? And I'm going to take you through it. First of all, we must acknowledge that Elkanah had a pattern to his life. The Bible says that it was predictable that he would be in the house of the Lord when he was supposed to be there. And not only would he be there when he was supposed to be there, but when he got there, he always offered a sacrifice. Patterns of obedience build confidence in the life of a believer. I'll say that again. Patterns of obedience builds the confidence 
of the life of a believer. It's important for you to understand that you attending the house of God and assembling yourselves together is not your duty. It's your devotion. And Hannah had a way of being in the right place at the right time. But here's the thing. When you develop these patterns of obedience, the last thing you desire or the last thing you expect is for God to allow you to be provoked. Am I right about it? Yeah. The last thing. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says these words. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, listen to it, her rival kept provoking her. But listen to it, in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah would go to the house of the Lord, her rival would provoke her until she wept. Twice, in two verses, the Bible uses this word provoke. But it specifically says that her adversary provoked her. Your adversary is something or someone who brings distress into your life. And this someone who was driven by a spirit not of God would provoke her to the point of irritating her, which means to bring her to the place of anguish. When I saw that, I realized that God allows some things to go on toward you to produce another thing in you. And some of you are wondering why you are being attacked adversarily like you are. And I came by to tell you it could be God allowing something to come against you because he's trying to produce something inside of you. The intention, according to verse 6 of the adversary, was to make her fret. And when you read it in the Hebrew, it literally means to bring her to the point of trembling where she would want to just give up. Two things, I'm moving quickly, that Hannah lacked, or two things she had to face, was an opportunity she couldn't grasp and an opposition she couldn't lose. She wanted an opportunity, but she was facing an opposition. That is life. That's how life is. And life really, uh, the summation of life is how you've handled your experiences, your disappointments, your encounters, your letdowns, and then how you came out of that situation being better or being bitter. Are y'all in the building? So the adversary came to make her fret. I came by to tell the ladies in the building today, I'm sorry, brothers, glad y'all are here, but this is for the girls, all right? I came by to tell the ladies, ladies, flip the script, okay? I'm going to say it again. Ladies, flip the script. Tell the adversary, you came to discourage me, but just because you showed up, 
You're going to make me more determined than I've ever been. You came to discourage me, but I'm going to leave here more determined than I've ever been in my life. I'm just looking for some sanctified women of God that says the enemy has attacked me to the point that I might be frustrated, but I'm not fretting. I'm awake now. And I'm ready to tell the devil, you have touched the wrong thing. You came to bring anxiety, but I will get my answer. Somebody needs to lift a hand and thank God that God allowed you to be provoked. God allowed something in your life to irritate you and frustrate you to the point that you're going to pray like you've never prayed before. So what she did is she took the opportunity. I'm sorry, I was just going to talk. And when the enemy attacked her to provoke her, the opposite happened. Instead of her being provoked, she started praying. Y'all ain't hear me real good, ladies. Instead of her being irritated, she started interceding. There ain't nothing more dangerous than a woman that says enough is enough. You have frustrated me to the point I'm going to have to pray about it now. And I'm not talking about sitting down praying now and lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. No, I'm talking about falling down there and praying like you're giving birth to something. I'm talking about praying until you let the enemy know you have messed with the wrong family. You have, should have never touched my daughter. You should have never touched my husband. You should have never touched my son. Is there any Hannah's in the house today? Let me, let me just walk through this thing here. Woo. Instead of being provoked, she prayed. But notice how she prayed. Verse 10, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And watch what she said. If you'll just look to me, Lord, look at my misery and remember me. I dare a lady to throw their head back and holler, remember me, God. It's simply meaning don't forget about my prayer. Whew. And do not forget your servant, but give her a son. And I'll give him back to you all the days of his life. Now let me show you what the, God, what the Lord showed me in this. God needed to get something into her. But he couldn't do it until he got something out of her. Let me say it like this. She wanted a son. He needed a prophet. There's about 15 ladies going to get this. She wanted a child. He needed a priest. God knows how to find people that'll work with him. And until she said, if you'll give him to me, I'll give him back to you. See, when you say, Lord, whatever you bring into my life, I'll always give you the glory. I'll always give it back to you. Many of you do not receive the prayers, the answer to the prayers you pray. Because James says you're praying with a selfish motive. God wants to birth through you something that he can use for him. 
So he says, I'll give you the child if you will give him to me that I can make him everything in this earth that I need him to be. So she received through prayer and promise what she could not receive from her partner. Preach up in here, Pastor Rick. She received through prayer and promising back to God what she could not receive from her partner. There are things that God is trying to get through you. You're asking him to get it to you. But God says, I'm trying to get it through you. If you started seeing your children as assignments instead of accidents. If you started seeing your kids as a purpose more than a person. You would treat them differently. Because you would say, I only birthed what God sent into this earth. You would be more careful about what you let that little purpose, I mean that little person, I mean that little assignment get involved in. You would be careful to watch what that little purpose or that little, I'm sorry, that little person. No, that little assignment is looking at on their phone. Watch how this woman prayed. Whoo, Lord have mercy. You know, I'm going to give it a pause right here and just say I thank God the way I was birthed in the ministry. I was birthed in the ministry in the church of God in Christ. Some of y'all know what that is. Some of you don't. But let me tell you something. I didn't know what mothers, church mothers were till I went into ministry. And I was 19 years old driving Bishop Carlton Pearson all over this nation and flying with him carrying his Bible. And we would go to those little church of God in Christ. And there was always a section where ladies sat dressed in white. And they had little things on their head. And it was those same ladies that after church took their heels off and put their jiffies on. The house shoes. And they would serve the preachers in the back. But them same ladies is the same ladies I met in Jamaica. When I'm preaching a conference there with about 6,000 people. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost manifests. And when the Holy Ghost manifests, demon possessed people started running to the altar and hitting the floor. I know this is going to freak some of y'all out. Just slithering like snakes. Well, the church mothers over on the right side saw what was going on. And there was about 100 of them over there. And all of a sudden, all the people on the floor disappeared. And all I saw was white. They jumped them. And when they jumped them, they prayed for them until every one of them was delivered and they walked out of their clothes and in their right mind. See, we don't see no mamas praying like that no more. I've been praying, God sent some jiffies up in this house. I'm sorry. But when the Bible says she prayed with bitterness of soul, see, it means she was discontented in her soul. It comes from the idea of just a drop of water every day until it got on her nerves. See, women of God, until you get done with it, it ain't over. In other words, this don't happen overnight. It's like the constant drip of discontent set in. 
I'm tired of seeing things like they are. Don't tell me I don't know about it. Because my oldest sister, Connie, was a mother of seven children too. She got saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and fire baptized. Some of y'all know about that kind of salvation. Well, my whole family was nothing but alcoholics and crazy people. All of us. She got saved. And every time she would come to my mama's house, Lord, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Help me, Jesus. I know it's Mother's Day. She would walk in the front door. And when she walked in the front door, me and Randy and all of us would walk out the back door. Because we knew when she walked in, the first thing she going to do, drop on her knees at the couch in mama's living room and start praying like this. Father, I thank you for saving Ricky, Randy, Doug, Joe, Glow, Jean, Mama, and Daddy. And then she would stand up. And then before she would leave, this was the one to get you. She would say, now before I go, my mama plead the blood over this house. And she would walk in every bedroom and she lay her hand on that bed and she would say, I plead the blood of Jesus over Ricky. I plead the blood of Jesus over Rand. Praying loud like that. Are y'all in the building? Because she got discontented with seeing her family wrapped up in generational curses and generational cycles. And until women say enough is enough. So what happened? Everybody got saved. Because one woman, Connie Day, said enough is enough. She wept sore. The Bible says Hannah wept sore. I'm sorry. I, I'll hurry. I'll hurry. But Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 20 says, uh, women of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord. Open your ears to the word of the prophet's mouth. Teach your daughters how to wail. Women of God, teach your daughters how to wail. W-A-I-L. You know what that means? That means travail in prayer. Make your children stumble over you when they're getting ready for school because you down on your face interceding for them in the Holy Ghost till they got to recognize. They might not like it, but they got to recognize and respect. My mama going to pray every single day. You got to read Jeremiah 9 because when you get to verse 21, he says you need them to wail like this and you need them to travail because death has climbed through our windows. Death has entered our fortress. Death has cut off the children from the streets and the young men from the public squares. I'll stop reading right there. In other words, the condition of the society and the condition of the community and the condition of the territory is horrible. But, if the wailing women start praying, if women that know how to travail start, start praying and interceding, death in the streets will stop. You want this nation to change? You want racial riots to stop? Y'all ain't clapping like I thought you was going to really get into this thing. Here. Lord have mercy, Jesus, fall up in here by the Holy Ghost. Lord have mercy. You want this nation to pivot? Then get on your prayer knees and cry out to God like you've never cried out before. I promise you one thing. 
You take just the number of women in this church right here. Just these number of women right here. And I don't know how many are here, but a lot of women here. You put them in this building every night. And let them, there ain't nobody going to preach. We're going to pray. And let those women start praying. All of a sudden, you're going to see socioeconomic conditions start to shift. You're going to see murder rates go down. Violence is going to go down. Preach up in this place, Pastor Rick. I need some women of God jump on your feet and say, I'm ready for change. Now, your, your rebuttal would be, well, why is this women? Why, why are you saying this? If the women, if the women, if the women, and brothers, y'all are saying, what about, what about the men? First of all, men pray like this. You ask them to say the prayer for the meal, and they say, Lord, thank you. For this food. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> now I know it ain't just like that. But it's real close to it. The Bible says in verse 12. I'm going to show you something. For those of you who have that question. Why the women? Verse 12 says she kept on praying. I want you to say that with me. Come on. She kept on praying. Say it like you mean it. Come on. She kept on praying. Women of God, keep on praying. But what about the men? I'm just going to tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, he spake a parable unto them to this end, and he said these words. Men ought always pray and not faint. Who? Then he said, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a woman in that city. That's all I got to say. Men ought always pray. Y'all don't find that funny, but I do. He don't give, Vicky, he don't give us an example of a man praying. He said, men ought always pray and not faint. Let me talk to you about this woman. Because even Jesus knew that men pray, Lord, thank you for this food. <laughs> Women can be very inquisitive. Inquiring minds want to know. Women search, they delve into stuff. <laughs> Brothers, y'all better talk back to me. You get home and they're like, well, what'd you do? How was your day? Well, where'd you work? Who'd you talk to? How'd it go? And he's over there going, good. Good. Well, who'd you talk to? Jimmy. What'd y'all talk about? Nothing. What'd you eat for lunch? Burger. What time did you go to lunch? 12 o'clock. 
you stop anywhere on the way home? No. What you about to do? Nothing. Am I right about it, fellas? <laughs> she kept on praying. Women just keep on talking. I don't know how many times since I've been married to Giovanna, she looked at me and said, did you, did you hear what I just said? And I'm like, did you say something? She kept on praying. And women keep on talking. Because women want to know. And she kept on praying. Read it in the Hebrew. She increased her prayer. That's what it says. Literally, the etymology is like this. She increased her prayer in abundance and authority. What does that mean? She prayed longer and she prayed stronger. The more time passed, the stronger she got. The more time passed, the longer she prayed. Boy, I'm telling you right, right now, there's a word here, boy. Somebody, if one woman gets a hold of this, you're going to change your whole family. When it don't change, pray stronger and pray longer. When it's not becoming what you thought it was going to be, pray stronger, pray longer. And all the women said, amen. Watch it. All right. I, I, I'm, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Verse 13 says, Hannah was praying in her heart. Now, you know it's dangerous when it moves from your head to your heart. And the Bible says these words, her lips was moving, but her voice wasn't heard. Whew, you know what you call that? Intercession. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. One thing I learned from them church mothers when I first went into ministry is that they knew how to moan. They would just rot. Mmm. Mm, just moan. And I asked Bishop Pearson, what's wrong, what's wrong with them? He said, they, they rocking and praying, son. I said, they ain't saying nothing. He said, they saying more than you could ever understand. Because God's not listening to their words. He's listening to their heart. And mama, when you crying in there and you ain't got words to express how you feel about your children being saved, your family being healed, and all you can do is groan and moan, Pastor Rick came to tell you God is listening to your heart when you don't have words for it. Come on in this building and all you can do is cry. God hears your heart. And she prayed, remember me. Remember me. Do not forget me. And verse 19 says, and the Lord remembered her. They might not recognize you down here, but he cannot forget you up there. Your children may not respect you down here, but he cannot forget you up there. God will not forget you. When it's his time, 
It's his time. Somebody shout praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'll end on this. <laughs> Verse 17, Eli answered and said to Hannah, go in peace. The God of Israel give you your, your prayer request. And she said, let your handmaid find grace in your sight. Listen to it. So the woman went her way and did eat. And her countenance was no more sad. <coughs> her countenance was no more sad. I want to encourage all the women of God in this building today. Recognize your moment. Say it again, Pastor Rick. Recognize your moment. When she got her word, everything changed. When she got her word and she knew God spoke to her, her behavior changed. The Bible says she was no more sad. Her whole countenance changed. Women of God, when you get a word, let it change everything about you. What do you mean, Pastor Rick? The moment she got her word, she started acting pregnant before she got pregnant. Talk up in here. Start acting like you already got it. She started acting like she had already received what she was promised. If you start walking in your future instead of living in your present, what you want in your future will visit you in your present. But you've got to act like you've already arrived. That's why Samuel had no trouble as a child putting on a mantle. The Bible says he put on an ephod as a child. Children didn't wear ephods. You had to be 30 years old to do that. What was Samuel doing? He was practicing his future. Who'd he learn it from? He learned it from his mama. Your children are watching you. If you live depressed day after day after day, they're going to repeat what you exhibit. But when you start living like you already arrived in your future, when you know it's not there, you're going to find your children repeating your behavior. I wish I had a church here today. Your children will start repeating your behavior. They'll start acting like they there too. When you wake up mama every morning and tell them how great life is. Honey, look at this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Baby, eat your oatmeal. Get you some toast, baby, because this is going to be a great day. But mama, when you get up and you're another day and it's depressed and Lord have mercy. They're going to start repeating what they see. I thank God for my mom and I thank God for my mother-in-law. My little Mexican mother-in-law, something else, Juanita. Gonzalez. I started dating Giovanna. Before long, Giovanna and I married for long Juanita's at the house because when you marry a Mexican you marry the whole family <laughs> I'm messing with her she, watch this though Giovanna come out of the bedroom one morning and Juanita was already in the kitchen rolling out the fresh tortillas <laughs> I was in shape till I got married and then I see her look up at Giovanna like this. Like I'm looking at you, Pat, like this. I'm looking at Giovanna. Look back at Juanita. I knew, you know, them women, they speak without their mouth moving. 
All of a sudden, Giovanna disappeared. I thought, I better step out. Something just went down in here. <laughs> so I stepped out. Act like I was doing something, but really I was. Men want to know too. And all of a sudden, Giovanna come out of the bedroom about 30 minutes later. Boy, she had her lipstick on, makeup, hair done. Man, I walked back in there. Hey, girl, you woke up in a good mood. I said, what's all this makeup in there? You look beautiful. She said, well, my mom got on to me right there. And I said, for what? And she said, well, my mom's got this thing that every morning you're supposed to beat your husband to the kitchen. And you're supposed to look pretty. So when he walks in, he looks at you, and he goes, wow, baby, you look beautiful. I said, I love your mom. <laughs> now, Giovanna's beautiful without makeup, but Lord have mercy. Put a little lipstick and rouge, and watch out. Now, that has nothing to do with my message today. But I was saying this. She learned that from somewhere. Where did she learn it from? Her mom. Mornings are special to her mother. Women of God, let me tell you, your children are watching you. And you're going to set the tone for their day by your attitude. Don't call your kids stupid in public. Don't, don't tell your children in front of other people, stop acting stupid. And all the children said, amen. <laughs> but don't demean, don't demean your kids in public. Now, I'm going to tell you something else, too. Your children is going to treat their daddy like a wife treats the husband. If you treat their daddy a certain way, that's how they're going to treat him. And that daddy's got two people living inside of him, a king and a pauper. Whichever one you talk to is the one that's going to manifest. Every man has two men living in him. A king and a pauper. Women of God, let me tell you something. When my wife tells me I'm handsome, I change the way I walk. Watch that man walk. When she says, baby, you're so good looking. I know I ain't that good looking, but boy, when she says that, something in me believes that. When I get in that car and she tells me, baby, you preached an incredible message today. Do you realize what that does for me? Women, you are powerful. You carry more influence in your family than anyone in the family. You set the tone. You set the atmosphere. My mama loved my dad so much that I could not live until I could finally have a wife that treated me like my mama treated my daddy. And I'm thankful that my wife does that. Have you learned anything today? Is this, is this bless you in any way good? I got, that's half the message. I'll close it so I'll stop. But the Bible says when she has Samuel, right? When she has Samuel, you're good, you know. When she has Samuel, Elder Leroy, the Bible says that every time they went to the house of the Lord, you know this, she brought him a mantle that she made for him. 
Yesterday, Giovanna says to me, you ought to see the outfit that I have for River tomorrow. Now, I knew I already had this message. She said, he's going to look so cute tomorrow. And I thought, true mom, I'm not really worried about what I look like. But here's what stood out to me about Hannah making these clothes for Samuel every time she visited the house of the Lord. Because, you know, Samuel lived there. That was her promise. Samuel lived in the house of the Lord. It's amazing what a child will become that's raised in the house of God. Say that again, Pastor Rick. It's amazing what a child can become when they're raised in the house of God. But she made him mantles according to his seasons. If he was going through a cold season, certainly she would bring him something warm. Mom, your children wear what you clothe them in. You clothe them in shame, they're going to wear shame. You clothe them in confidence, they're going to wear confidence. All the women, please stand. Not just moms, all the women. Because there are women in here that are mothers that have no children. You've never given birth to children. You could take his uh, little headphones off. I'm not going to scream no more. Hey, booger. Hey. Women of God, this church wants you to know every one of you standing that we respect you. We honor you. I love preaching on Mother's Day. I look in scripture and I just see how that women carried the script from Genesis to Revelation. They carried it. Women know how to carry stuff. They may stretch. They may blow up. They may get big. But they know how to carry it. It may leave some scars. But they know how to carry it. They not only know how to carry it, they know how to birth it. They know how to push it until it happens. Women, I want to call you back to your purpose. Push stuff out. Are you hearing me? Birth things in this earth. Talk back to me, women of God. Birth things in prayer. Intercede until change happens. Travail until stuff shifts. Come on in this building. Pray. Pray. Pray, pray. Be persistent. Be encouraged today.